Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Earlier this week, 35 conservative MPs wrote a letter to their caucus chair demanding a leadership vote. This came after months of internal fighting over Aaron O'Toole's performance as leader. In response, O'Toole posted to social media. He wrote, quote, It's time for a reckoning to settle this in caucus, right here, right now, once and for all. Well, he got his reckoning, and now he's out. Canada is in a dire moment of our history. You need only take a walk down the street in front of Parliament to see how divided we are. So my message to Conservatives my... voted 73 to 45 to replace him. And now Deputy Leader Candace Bergen is taking over as the interim leader of the party. So Conservatives will soon be in the midst of yet another leadership race, their third since Stephen Harper was leader. In some ways, the caucus is not at war with Aaron O'Toole. In some ways, the caucus is at war with itself. John Ibbotson, political columnist and Globe writer-at-large, will help us understand what happened and where the party goes now. This is The Decibel. John, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's great to be here, Monica. So we're talking on on Wednesday afternoon, and a lot is happening very fast in this story. But in terms of the big picture here, John, you've covered politics for a long time. How would you describe the current state that the Conservative Party of Canada finds itself in? I think the Conservative Party of Canada is in a very vulnerable, fragile state. It is in danger of turning into the kind of schism that we saw in the 1990s, when you had the Reform Party representing the Western part of the conservative movement and the progressive conservatives um, representing the center in the East before Stephen Harper was able to unite the two parties. In some ways, it's also like the 1930s and 40s, when the conservatives lost one election after another, um, changed leaders after every election, and the liberals were able to govern for decades as a result. That doesn't have to be the conservative party's future. But it's a risk now. And what's your reaction to the results of of Wednesday's vote? Well, it was clear that Aaron O'Toole had lost the support of caucus. I mean, there wasn't even close. Um, A solid majority said he had to go. I think what happened was he took a big risk. Having run as a blue conservative in order to win the leadership, he then decided the only way he was going to win the election was to pivot the party towards the center. So he embraced the idea of carbon taxes. He embraced the idea of workers' rights. Um, He was pro-immigration. He was pro-LGBTQ. He put together a platform that he thought would appeal to suburban middle-class voters in Ontario and that could make him prime minister. It almost worked. He was ahead during much of the election campaign, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't able to close it. Justin Trudeau's liberals came ahead at the very end. And although the liberals lost the popular vote, They won those key suburban Ontario ridings, and that's why Justin Trudeau is prime minister today and not Aaron O'Toole. But Mr. O'Toole, having moved the party in that direction, now had to confront an angry caucus that didn't know it was going to be campaigning in favor of carbon taxes and all sorts of other things. And he wasn't able to convince them that this was the right thing to do. 
uh, and an angry, betrayed, right-leaning conservative caucus threw him out. Let's get into what is actually going on inside the party then, John. I guess the question is, was this about O'Toole and his leadership record, or is this about kind of bigger internal divisions within the party itself? Well, there are internal divisions within the Conservative Party. There are internal divisions within any party. And it is the job of the leader to heal those divisions, uh, to keep the party together. And uh, it is on him, it is on Aaron O'Toole, that he was unable to heal those divisions. But at any given time, under any given leader, the Conservative Party consists of several fractions, some of which are tense around each other. They can be brought together uh, with the right leader, or they can be pushed apart, uh, and that is exactly what is happening now. In some ways, the caucus is not at war with Aaron O'Toole. In some ways, the caucus is at war with itself. There are conservative MPs who just aren't talking to each other right now, and that's the challenge for whoever leads the party next. Wow. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned there is the the regional tensions, of course, and and I guess this is something that we, we do kind of hear coming up again. Is Is that, I guess, at the root of the internal strife, would you say? At the root of the Conservative Party, there is a deep tension between the centrist Ontario wing and the populist Western wing. This goes back to the middle of the last century. It certainly goes back to the 1990s, to the reform and PC uh, movements. That tension is always what makes the Conservative Party potentially unstable. Now, the Liberals rode a power for a decade as well, and we spent a whole lot of time talking about tensions between the the Martin camp and the Chrétien camp, or the Ignatiev camp and the Dion camp. One of Justin Trudeau's great achievements was to reunite the party, focus it on the job of winning the next election, and then winning that election. Uh, that's uh, what he has done well. And as a result, he's been rewarded with six years of government. But the party is still vulnerable. The liberals are vulnerable. They're only at around 30% in the polls. Uh, they have big problems coming with housing affordability, with rising interest rates that are, are on the horizon, with inflation. Um, a conservative party that is was well-led and united could be really taking the liberals to task right now. They must be thanking their lucky stars that the conservative party is so divided at such a critical time. I want to ask you about timing of, of this vote to oust O'Toole as well. Is it just a coincidence that all of this is going down as the protesting truckers are, are still occupying the streets of Ottawa? I think when the history of the Conservative Party in these times is written, we're going to want to look very closely at the link between the truckers' protests and the movement out with Stroh Tool. When he found himself in trouble after the election, his first reaction was to try to isolate the dissidents within caucus. He wouldn't put them into the shadow cabinet, for example. He tried to push them off to the side and, and portray them as extreme malcontents who could just go and stew in their own juice. Um, but when it was clear that there were more malcontents than he thought, um, he flipped around. And last week, I did an interview with him in which he came out in full support of the sentiments behind the protest, the full support for an end to vaccine mandates. Um, I thought at the time he was risking his leadership by taking that position. And it seemed clear that he was taking that position in order to try to rally caucus support. It didn't work. Uh, and I'm not sure what happened. It's entirely possible that those he was trying to placate were not placated. And those who used to be on his side were horrified to discover that the conservatives were supporting the truckers. 
um, and the protesters associated with those truckers. I also found it fascinating that uh, these protests were out there rallying to oust Trudeau. And yet the leader that's been toppled this week is is Aaron O'Toole. And he's <laughs> one of the only ones who actually met with them, uh, Maxine Bernier as well. What what do you make of, of that, John? Well, it has been said that politics is the only blood sport that doesn't actually involve blood. And this is a, a good example of that. It is entirely possible that Aaron O'Toole's efforts to get on side with the truckers ended up costing him support within caucus. It's also going to be very interesting to see what effect this has on Pierre Polyev, because the Carleton MP is probably the front runner now to succeed Mr. O'Toole. Mm. Um, and he is deeply, profoundly attached to the, the truckers' protests, has done videos uh, with the protesters, has said, said that they're a, a wonderful group of people who are just campaigning for all our freedoms. Well, if you're in downtown Ottawa these days, it doesn't feel awfully free. It feels like a bunch of guys in trucks have hijacked the downtown of the city, are occupying it, essentially, um, and defying the authorities to move them. And the authorities don't know how. Is that going to affect Pierre Polyev standing within the party uh, over the course of the, few, uh, the next few months? I don't know. So knowing that Polyev is, is maybe a front runner here for this leadership race, what, is, what does all this say about who the party is courting now and, and the direction, I guess, that it's headed in? Well, it looks like the party wants to move to the right. There was a lot of resistance to the idea of putting a price on carbon in the election platform. There was a lot of resistance to supporting the Liberals on um, legislation to ban conversion therapy. Uh, it may well be that the person who can win the next election will need to move to the right on issues like LGBTQ rights, will need to move to the right on environmental issues, may need to move to the right on issues like immigration. The question then is, if that person does those things in order to win the leadership, can that person then win the country? I said in a column that we may be at the situation where no one who can win the leadership of the party can win the country, and no one who can win the country can win the leadership of the party. The risk to the Conservatives is that they might embrace that paradox. Let's take a step back and maybe, I guess, look at the, the big picture here for a bit. The Conservative Party has struggled to have a leader stay on for more than one election cycle since Stephen Harper retired. So there's there's clearly internal divisions here. What happens if these divisions get so bad that the Conservative Party splits? If the Conservative Party splits, well, first of all, it's really good for the Liberals. But it's not good for the country. Because if, if the Conservative Party splits, it means that the Western alienation part of the Conservative movement is leaving the rest of the party and going and sitting on its own. That's a possibility. Um, it may mean that social conservatives feel they no longer are welcome inside the conservative party and they go and sit on their own. Or it may be that, that social moderates, the kind of fiscally conservative but socially progressive people who you find in the Ontario wing of the party, no longer recognize it and they go sit on their own. Any one of those things would lead to regional divisions, heightened tension, polarization of Canadian politics, and a very long run for the Liberal Party in power. And now I, I asked that question with, like, I guess, kind of an, an understanding that that was a, a possibility for the party to split. Is that a, a potential possibility here, though, in, in, in your perspective? It's a very real possibility. I was talking to MPs uh, in caucus yesterday, as were my colleagues, Mariko Walsh and Bob Fife, Ian Bailey, 
There are a lot of angry MPs and they're angry at each other. They're not talking to each other. And they may have, a majority of them may have decided that the best way out of this is to remove Mr. O'Toole and replace him with something, somebody else. But that doesn't mean that the party is rallying around one person or one idea. That caucus is split and it's going to be a heck of a challenge to find someone who can bring it back together again. Let's talk about unity then within within the party. What viewpoints and values, John, actually unite all parts of the Conservative Party of Canada at this point in time? That's a really great question. They don't like deficits. I think that's one thing. And, and I think it's one thing that has been difficult for the Conservative Party. We live in a time of pandemic. We all supported everyone, including the Conservative Party, supported Justin Trudeau's decision to run massive, unprecedented deficits, deficits like we hadn't seen since the Second World War, in order to fight the economic and health consequences of the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. Those deficits were necessary, but I think all Conservatives would agree they need to come down and quicker than the Liberals want to bring them down. After that, it gets difficult because you have pro-environmental um, Conservatives, say like Michael Chong, who supported the carbon tax, um, pro-oil and gas Conservatives who uh, want to place the emphasis on exporting oil and gas from Alberta and Saskatchewan. You have uh, Conservatives like Leslie Lewis who want as much as possible to limit uh, abortions in this country and others who believe that a woman should have the right to choose. You can go down the list and apart from smaller government and lower taxes, there's not that much that unites the conservative movement in this country. Is it, like is the deficit really the only issue that conservatives can get together behind on? Like, isn't there is, there must be other things as well? The deficit is the biggest thing, as in economic growth is the biggest thing, economic security is the biggest thing, uh, jobs for workers is the biggest thing. These are all conservative touchstone issues, and also issues that get conservative parties elected. There are other things as well, though. Um, conservative parties tend to be stronger or stricter on law and order issues. China is emerging as an issue at the federal level. The Conservative Party wants to take a more confrontational approach uh, toward the regime in Beijing and to be more protective of uh, Taiwan. Those are issues I think right now you could get agreement amongst pretty much all Conservatives. How do we square this idea of support for law and order with the fact that they've been supporters of these trucker protests that have essentially been occupying downtown Ottawa for days? I don't think you can square it. And I think it's a problem for the party. Uh, it's a, especially a problem for Pierre Polyev because he's so close to them. They come here not for the warm weather, but for our freedom. And that's why we are gathered here today. Freedom, not fear. Truckers, not Trudeau. This is the party of law and order. This is the party that said we can't allow Indigenous blockades to keep the trains from running. This is the party that said we can't allow uh, Indigenous environmental protesters to stop the construction of pipelines. And support the jobs that it'll bring to their communities and also actually oppose this illegal activity because that's exactly what this is. It is illegal activity. These are illegal blockades. And so I want to ask the members... And yet this is now a party that seems to be incredibly tolerant of a bunch of truckers and their supporters uh, who are basically shutting down downtown Ottawa um, and, and hundreds of businesses that have been put at risk as a result of it that have had to close. Residents who are being harassed, and it's all right because they're questioning vaccine mandates. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I don't think it's going to make a lot of sense to many Canadians. 
So now we're at this point where there's going to be people throwing their hat in the ring to be the the party leader. Who might be eyeing a run for for this leadership? Well, the front runner appears to be Pierre Polyev. He has tremendous support among the activist base of the party. He is well to the right of Aaron O'Toole in the party, and that may be where the party wants to go. There's also Leslie Lewis. She ran in 2019. She's probably going to run again. She will have the support of the social conservative base of the party. Could either of them actually win the country? I'm not so sure that either of them could. Ron Ambrose, the former interim leader, I think would be very effective as leader of the party, would put a real challenge to the Liberals. But I don't know that she wants it, and I don't know that if she did want it, she could get it. Peter McKay has run before. Would Peter McKay run again? Probably not. There are a lot of people right now who are making good money and good jobs and living comfortable lives who are going to be asking themselves, do I want to spend the next you know, eight or nine months, however long it takes before they decide to have a leadership convention, crossing the country, eating rubber chicken in church basements and trying to convince a bunch of militant right-wing conservative voters that they're the right person to lead the party just so you get to be in Stornoway for a little while? Uh, I don't know that uh, the, that there are that many people who may want to go through that when, in fact, the party is so divided and so difficult to keep the party together and still credible in the next election. Are there any winners in, in all of this? What do you mean apart from Justin Trudeau? Maxime Bernier has got to be a winner. I mean, he's he left the party. He formed the People's Party of Canada. It got 5% of the vote in the last election, which is more than it got in the election before that. He still hasn't won a seat. Uh, but he's over there on the, you know, pretty far right saying, well, this is the kind of incompetent, corrupt party that I left and real conservatives should come over to my party. Uh, and some of them might, especially depending on, on who the, the party picks as leader. If the leader is more centrist, then the ones who really are angry may go over to, uh, Bernie's party. Western separatists will be saying that this is proof that the country is ungovernable, uh, and that they should leave it. And as I said, the Liberals would be delighted that the opposition is is that divided. Uh, but it's not, it's not good for the Conservatives. And I don't think it's good for the country either. John, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.